When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Heads up, y'all. This episode will touch on disordered eating and compulsive exercise. I do remember I had one boyfriend in high school who I think it was like right when I had started CrossFit. He was like, you need to kind of pick like either you can keep doing this or you can be with me. And I was like, oh, well, <laughs> that's obvious. See you later. Like, of course, I want to get jacked. <laughs> <laughs> Caroline, serious question for you. Okay. If unladylike workout icon Ruth Bader Ginsburg challenged you to an arm wrestle, and you had to compete, okay, you couldn't <laughs> forfeit, who do you think would win? <laughs> Absolutely not me. <laughs> uh, what about you? Are you a little more confident? I'm left-handed, so it depends on whether it's a left-handed or right-handed competition. Um, in the past couple of years, I've actually been trying to get stronger in my upper body and arms. And I am happy to report I'm up to five push-ups. Kristen, I'm, I'm legitimately impressed. <laughs> I'm not there yet. Uh, but I do have a hot tip for you. Ooh, give it to me. Okay, if you want a glimpse of what it's like to be jacked as fuck, Kristen, you need to follow Team USA weightlifter Maddie Rogers on Instagram. Her handle is at Maddie Cakes. That is cakes with five S's. And you can scroll through the quarantine workout she's been posting for her 650,000 followers or watch highlights of her just beasting the barbells at competitions. All right, so now here is Maddie Rogers of the United States. First attempt, 101 kilos. Right? Wait for the call. Caroline, I am obsessed with Maddie Cakes. Funny story, she first blew up on the internet in 2016 after posting an Instagram video of her accidentally destroying a gym window with a runaway barbell. <laughs> but even if folks came for the fail, most stayed for her skill. Like, Maddie holds multiple American records, and her career reflects just how much the weightlifting future is female, y'all. Yeah, women are the fastest growing demographic in competitive weightlifting, like really fastest growing. Today, women make up nearly half of all USA weightlifting athletes, up from just 19% in 2007. Yeah, it's almost as if we are making up for lost time. So in 2000, women's weightlifting was finally included in the Olympics, 80 years after the men's competition. And around the same time, programs like CrossFit that incorporate Olympic-style lifts instead of weight machines also started getting popular. So basically, 
women started seeing other women lift heavy shit at the Olympics, the gym, social media, and have been like, hey, I'll have what she's having. (laughs) But as our first guest, Casey Johnston, knows firsthand, venturing into the weightlifting world can be intimidating. I mean, like, I always knew of lifting, of course, but it was a thing that men in my life did that I was, I felt super uncomfortable with for a number of reasons. I was afraid that it would make me a lot bulkier. I was intimidated by the weight room. I didn't know what I was doing. Like I I could maybe like walk up to some dumbbells and do some curls, but I didn't really know anything else. And I didn't know how to learn. (laughs) I wasn't going to ask anybody. Today, Casey is going to share how weightlifting helped her unpack her own body image baggage and bust some persistent myths about building muscle. Then it's off to Orlando where Maddie Rogers reveals what it's like to be one of the most loved and hated weightlifters on the internet. All to find out, what happens when women lift heavy shit? Casey Johnston is an editor at Vice. She's also a competitive powerlifter and the resident swole woman of the advice column, Ask a Swole Woman. Each week, she answers readers' questions about how to get into lifting, where to go, what to eat. So naturally, we turn to her to set us straight. So I feel like anecdotally, at least, anytime I talk to women who have, especially if they're like kind of relatively new into like weightlifting and strength training in particular, there's often this euphoria that we describe, um, Mm -hmm. like I feel when I finally mastered that goddamn push-up. Why, maybe this is a dumb question, but why does weightlifting feel so good? Just that sort of like raw capability that you have to like do something that's like hard is really validating I think like I don't know if I'm deadlifting like 250 pounds for a bunch of reps that's like I feel I feel like super capable and that's a really addicting feeling A big reason that Casey is such a lifting evangelist now is because it radically changed her relationship with her own body and defied the weight loss gospel that diet culture preaches. And you can see that gospel in full force at just like your neighborhood gym. Because even today, most women don't work out with weights, even like tiny dumbbells. According to a recent study, for instance, men outnumber women in the free weight sections at gyms 17 to 1, while women occupy 70% of the cardio machines. Yeah, and for years, Casey was stuck on the cardio and calorie restriction circuit. She figured running was the best way to get the body she thought she wanted. The barrier of entry seems so low. And so many people were runners. I was like, why not? Why not also get into running? Runners seem like they really have it together. (laughs) Um, So I did that for a few years and along with some like fairly aggressive dieting because I felt that I weighed weighed too much. I didn't like how I look. Um, But I never got to a safe feeling place with my body. So I started to get all these little injuries that were not like devastating, but made running harder and not being able to run made me like (laughs) super anxious. And I wasn't, now I realize, like in hindsight, I wasn't taking very good care of myself. And I wanted to make a change. That change started on Reddit of all places. 
Casey was Googling around for weight loss regimens when she came across a viral Reddit post of a woman's before and after pics from six months of weightlifting. She just looked like the platonic ideal of the way we all say toned, a little bit more toned. I just want to be more toned. That happened for her. And she was not only lifting for like half an hour, three times a week, which was way less than I was running. Um, She was eating, she said, like 2,200 calories a day. And I was like, why why are we not all doing this? Why am (laughs) I not doing this? Like this seems this seems perfect. It takes it takes no time at all. You get to eat a lot and you maybe finally get to a place with your body where you don't feel like you're constantly critiquing yourself or like it was sort of like a look that I had always like wanted but was never really getting. Okay, let's pause for a sec because weightlifting can mean all sorts of things. In this episode, we're focusing on two types. The first is what Casey does. That's called powerlifting. For this, you're focused on using your barbell in three core movements, the squat, the bench press, and the deadlift. It's all about power and brute strength. The second type is what Maddie Rogers does, Olympic weightlifting, which is more technical than powerlifting and focuses on getting the barbell above your head. We'll get more into what all that entails later on with Maddie. But for both of these categories, weightlifters compete against folks who are in their same body weight class. And as you get stronger and more efficient, you add more and more weight to make the lifts more challenging. And more rewarding. So tell us a little bit more about what it felt like when you first started lifting and why you stuck with it. Yeah. So I looked into the program and it was super, super simple. It was like you do three movements for three sets of five and you're done. And that was the entire workout. And I was like, I can do this. I can learn. Like, I think it's a total of five movements and you alternate two different days of training for three days a week. So I started doing it. And it was I really, really <laughs> compelling how sort of simple the workout seemed. And yet I could feel it like you do you do after a while, like start to notice a difference if you do like eat, eat the food, do the trainings, you want to rest on your off days and get enough sleep. But it all sort of forms this like constructive relationship with your body that I had never experienced before where you're fueling yourself to work out and then you're doing your like sort of set workout that is fairly limited in scope and time and then just letting letting the process work. So can you talk then about how cis women's bodies do build muscle? Like what is the process? Sure. So muscle building happens really, really slowly. You like your muscle building will never happen faster than when you're Either you've never lifted weights or you just took like, I don't know, six months or a year off of lifting weights. But the sort of rule of thumb is that men can gain about one to two pounds of muscle per month um, in in this sort of like early stage of training. Women can gain about a pound. I hesitate to put a number to it, but it's not gonna be like double that. So the process that's involved there is that when you lift weights, particularly really heavy weights, you're basically shredding your muscles up. Um, causing muscle damage. And what you're doing when you eat is giving, and especially eating a lot of protein, um, you need carbs for fuel, you need fat for calories. I mean, these are all, it's like all more complex than that. But 
um, primarily the protein helps you um, helps your muscles rebuild. So you're sort of like shredding your muscles up and then giving yourself food in order to rebuild them a little bit better than they were before. And as you do that, you gain muscle, but extremely, extremely slowly. That continuous cycle of shredding and rebuilding muscle and weightlifting applies to all bodies, too. But Casey says the sport still has a ways to go to becoming inclusive of trans and non-binary bodies in particular. Trans inclusion is a super fraught topic in lifting. On the one hand, groups like the International Olympic Committee have okayed trans lifters' participation as long as they pass certain hormone tests. On the other, some people in the lifting community insist that trans women have an unfair advantage. Like USA Powerlifting, for instance, bars trans women from competing against cis women. But regardless of gender, every body is different. And hormones, musculature, and biomechanics vary from person to person. It's been really sad and unfortunate to see, actually, that there's a number of athletic associations that have banned trans lifters from competing um, because of this particular debate. It's not a debate, I think, to people who know, who are like educated in it. Like there's a fairly well understood way that hormones affect people. Like hormones do play a role in how you build muscle. But I would say if people think it should put them off lifting weights, if taking, let's say, hormones for a a trans woman that they should be afraid to lift weights, I would say, please don't be. Same in the opposite direction. Like, again, from a basic level of lifting weights, truly anyone can benefit. And I don't think you need to be focused on what the results are going to be in order to feel those benefits. So in terms of body image and like how you feel about your body and how it works and how it looks, like how does weightlifting sort of change your ideas about body image? I would say that a lot of the talk about exercise and diet as we're used to experiencing it is very focused on weight loss and like being smaller. And that was even, I I admit, like what's one of the things that sold me on it initially was just the idea that you could be smaller. One of the notable things about that initial post that I saw was the woman in it. Um, Her body weight didn't change. And that was a new idea to me that you could sort of, that your body could be different, but your weight could be the same. And we're always focused on specifically weight loss. But I think that what was different about it was that while I got into it with that being a factor, it really taught me to see my body in a different way. It sort of dawned on me from doing these strength training movements that like your body is like capable of something and you're capable of being strong. And it's not just about like exercise isn't just about losing weight and it's not about aesthetics. It's about like sort of functionality and mobility and feeling good about yourself and feeling this constructive relationship with food and with exercise where you're not sort of chipping away at yourself over the course of doing all these workouts and just praying that you get smaller, you have this other goal that you can work towards, which is like feeling feeling good in your body. Developing that constructive relationship with food can be one of the toughest hurdles to weightlifting because you're actually exercising to gain weight. Right. And food literally fuels muscles to grow. So if you want to get stronger and lift heavier shit, you're probably going to need a heavier diet. 
I see some people try to start lifting weights, but they can't bring themselves to eat enough food in order to support the process. And then it really never clicks for them because they're, they're trying to lift, but then they're still eating like 1,200 calories a day. And it doesn't really do its thing for your body when you're not giving yourself that fuel. So you have to, like I had done some background reading that indicated you really need to like buy in fully on it. And just like that sort of permission that it gave me to live a completely different way just really clicked with the way I was feeling at that time. So what's the biggest misconception about women and weightlifting? Oh, definitely that it'll make you bulky. I mean, I think that's a fear that carries through for women. Even if they decide like they can tolerate some strength training, they're afraid to do the eating that's required for the whole thing to work because they're afraid of, I mean, they're afraid of gaining weight. They're afraid of like looking like they have huge muscles. Like there's a real stigma against having big muscles, even like the potential for it, even though that's really not for women especially, but really for anybody how it happens. Like muscle is actually built incredibly slowly. Like we're talking a few years (laughs) before it was sustained effort before you really see a big difference. Considering how like totally unscientific that myth is, why do you think that it is so persistent? I really, I just (laughs) like if I could answer that, there would be no need for me to do like what I do anymore. I think. (laughs) Um, I mean, I think it's a problem of the look that people are afraid of, but they're also afraid of like like it's unattractive still, quote unquote, for women to sweat or show exertion. It's such a quote unquote masculine activity. Like when people see people lifting weights, it's like a guy who's like grunting and screaming and like throwing stuff around, making a lot of noise. Um, And a lot of women are super intimidated by that and can't see their own way to like being like that. Not that you need to be like that. Like everyone usually thinks that guy is an asshole. Um, (laughs) But it does involve a sort of like intensity um, that I think women are very shy about. So there's a lot of stigma around it that doesn't jive with how women are told they are allowed to be. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's time to get jacked with Team USA weightlifter Maddie Rogers. Stick around. (laughs) We're back and leveling up our weightlifting with Maddie Rogers, who is... To put it simply, strong as fuck. (laughs) Maddie was effectively on her way to the 2020 Summer Olympics until COVID canceled everything, including the last qualifying competition for the Olympics. This means Maddie is going to have to compete for a spot on the now 2021 Olympic team all over again and is stuck training from home in her garage in Florida. That also means we got the chance to talk to her on one of her rest days. So is there, would you say, like an ideal, quote unquote, weightlifter body? And how would you say your your weightlifter body is built? Um, so I would say I have one of the most unideal weightlifting bodies um, because what you want for weightlifting is not like 
what you see in magazines and like the the more like stereotypical like oh that person has a nice body like lifters that are shorter and have shorter limbs kind of have an advantage because they just they don't have to get the bar as high off the ground and just being a shorter more compact person is more ideal for for weightlifting and I'm built more kind of like a giraffe I would say I don't <laughs> I don't really have a weightlifter body but I mean it works it lifts weights so it's some, <laughs> some sort of weightlifting body. Uh, Maddie describing her body as it lifts weights is like Megan Rapino describing hers as it kicks soccer balls. <laughs> now, like we mentioned earlier, the Olympic lifts that Maddie performs are different from the powerlifting that Casey Johnston was talking about. Olympic weightlifting focuses exclusively on two moves. The snatch, when you hoist the bar from the floor to above your head in one swift movement. And the clean and jerk, when you lift the bar from the floor to your shoulders, then from your shoulders to above your head. Yikes. And for a sense of just how strong as fuck Maddie is, as of this episode, her personal records are 240 pounds for the snatch and 295 pounds in the clean and jerk, which is almost twice her body weight. Caroline, you know she could lift like a Kristen and Caroline <laughs> above her head. I want to see that dirty dancing reenactment. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Maddie has also attracted an unprecedented following for the sport. Some are aspiring weightlifters who follow her as a role model, and others are just weirdos like us who can't get enough of watching her dominate these Herculean lifts. We have totally stalked you on Instagram, and you've talked about how performance is always the goal and this body is a result of that. So how would you describe your relationship with your body now? When I started this sport, I weighed 123 pounds. And now I don't know what it is in, in pounds, but now I weigh 77 kilos. So that was 58 kilos to 77 kilos. Like that's a huge gain. And so like some of that definitely <laughs> needed to happen. Like I was a very stickish looking person before, but I don't think I've ever really, I don't know how to word this without it sounding bad, but I've never really cared what my body looked like, which obviously I do care, but it's not like, well, I'm going to try and diet down so I look better because that would mm -hmm. totally affect my performance. Like that's never been like a thought. I mean, it's always just been like, what do I need to eat to do well in my training today or tomorrow? Like, what do I need to do to fill out this weight class or cut to this weight class? It's not just like, ooh, what can I look like? It's like, what can I do and what can this body do for me? Caroline, one of the most exciting things I discovered about Olympic weightlifting is that women might actually be better suited to the sport than men. So even though women have only been formally competing since the late 80s, they are breaking records much faster than the men. And sports scientists are starting to suspect that our, you know, supposedly inferior lady muscles might actually fire faster and more efficiently than men's when making massive lifts. And that phenomenon helps explain why athletes like Maddie can have such incredible come-ups. Exactly. But the funny thing is, when Maddie competed at her first national meet, it wasn't the pursuit of muscles that really lit her fire for lifting. And I remember I saw a Team USA singlet, and I was like, what, like where do I order that? Where, what store sells that? <laughs> and they're like, no, no, no. You have to earn that. 
So I was like, all right, well, how do I do that then? And so that was my first meet ever. And I didn't do great, but I didn't do like terrible. And when we got home from that, I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to earn my stupid little singlet. And (laughs) we kind of like broke down all the rankings and found out if I dropped a weight class, flew across the country to California like a week later and competed and did really, really well, I could make like the junior Team USA. So that's what I did. And that's when I made my first USA team. And from there, it's like, you're not going to stop. You're not going to just say, nah, I don't feel like competing for Team USA anymore. So it's just kind of been building on that sense. Well, we've got to ask, you were on your way to the Olympics this summer. So what has that postponement meant for you, both in terms of physical training as well as like your mental training? Well, I was actually the alternate for the last Olympics, too. So it like it kind of feels very familiar, like getting so close and then being like, oh, no, never mind. You're not going. (laughs) Um, So I think I'm kind of lucky in that sense because I've had to deal with that before. Not that it's (laughs) not that it's a good feeling at at all, but uh, my training hasn't really changed that much yet. I feel like it will as we get more information. But as of now, we don't really have like anything to go off of because we know we will have to requalify in some way and that can't start until the lockdowns are lifted which we also don't know when that's going to happen so it's a lot of guessing a lot of just taking things day by day um, and just doing really all that I can right now but before she started lifting weights Maddie lifted cheerleaders (laughs) Yeah, Maddie's athletic resume started with gymnastics as a toddler. Then in middle school, she transitioned into competitive cheerleading. What was it like to go from cheerleading, which is, you know, one of the most stereotypically girly sports, to weightlifting, one of the most stereotypically bro sports? I mean, I think it luckily kind of lined up with my weird like teenager phases because everybody has like their phases that they go through. And I did cheerleading in my very much like, I need to learn how to do my hair, do my makeup. And like that just, that just was perfect for me. But then also in cheerleading, I, well, not anymore because everyone can do it now. But when I was in it, I was one of the only girls doing, it's called one man stunts, which is typically for a, a guy to base a girl by himself. So there's one guy, one girl. Um, and so I, basically took the place of that guy and it was one girl and one girl and that was like the cool thing when like way back now I guess it's it's not that cool anymore because everybody can do it Um, but I was already kind of used to like not playing the guy role but like not the normal like all right I'm I'm the flyer I'm the tiny like pretty girl like I was never really that so when I switched to weightlifting I never really felt I don't know. I never felt out of place or weird or anything like that. It felt pretty natural. And I think from there, it even like allowed me to be a little bit more of myself because I'm definitely not the most girly. Um, (laughs) I I used to try, but I think when I started weightlifting, I was like, oh, I don't even have to try anymore. Like, this is great. (laughs) What was it about the lifting that like really clicked for you? Um, I think it was very similar to how I went about 
like practicing gymnastics, like you had to be so nitpicky and pretty much a perfectionist and every day coming in and having something technical to work on. Because a lot of people think lifting is just like, oh, you just got to be strong. But you can take like the world's strongest man, make him do lifts, and he's still not as good as like an actual Olympic weightlifter. So just that like little, the little technical things that are never actually good, that you always have something to work on, that made it a lot of fun for me. Caroline, love her definition of fun. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, whatever works, right? (laughs) Well, Maddie has been a competitive athlete for practically her entire life. And she brings the focus and drive you need for elite weightlifting, which often depends on these minute movements that will make or break those enormous lifts. And her training schedule is just as intense as you'd imagine. Monday, Wednesday, Fridays are two-a-days, so she'll put in two separate workouts totaling seven or eight hours. Every time I say that, people are like, how are you in the gym for eight hours? It only takes me an hour. I'm like, I don't know. It just takes that long. Then Tuesdays, Thursdays, and the weekends are light days, which means just one three- to four-hour workout. And all of her training is focused on perfecting the snatch and the clean and jerk. So workouts usually involve a bunch of squats or pulls from blocks, like really isolating different parts of those lifts. Oh, plus Maddie's a full-time college student. She studies sport and exercise science and maintains a 4.0 GPA, NBD. So we want to know about your coach, Amy, um, partly because it's so fun to watch the Instagram live trainings that y'all have been doing, and also to just hear how she motivates you at competitions. You are a fighter. You are a champion. You scream and you yell and you find it. I love the just the relationship that y'all have. So tell us about how... How would you describe how she stands out as a coach? She really works on the mental side of lifting, not any more so than the physical side, but just that extra attention to that. So when she'll give you like a, it's called a cue when you need to focus on something. So I say I need to focus on driving with my legs or whatever it is. She'll say like, okay, let's only focus on this one thing. Be very present, be very intentional, like one focus. And it's kind of mixing the physical and the mental aspects of both of those things make it so much more effective uh, when you're actually in training as opposed to just trying to think about a million things and fix a million things at once. And I mean, obviously you can't do that. So when when she really coaches you on how to think about things more than just, okay, do this, it's so helpful. So how does working with Amy compared to working with uh, like your first coach who was a guy? Like, does that make a difference? I mean, they could both be the same gender and it would still just be very different styles of coaching. Um, I personally, before I met her, I didn't think I would respond well to a female coach because I am very like stubborn and hard-headed. Um, and I was worried that if I did ever work with a female coach, it would kind of be catty. Like we would just kind of go back and forth. But she kind of just demands that level of respect to where if she tells me something, even if I don't agree with it, it's like, okay, like, yes, I'll do it. I trust you fully. I believe whatever you're telling me I need to do. You've posted on Instagram about training on your period. So do you track your periods and how it affects your performance? Yeah. So I I always, so at the top of each day, I'll write the date 
uh, my body weight that day, where I'm training. So if it's like home, my gym, or like if I'm at a meet or something. Um, and if I'm on my period, I'll also put that at the top for that week too. Uh, because it, I mean, it does, doesn't always affect my training, but sometimes it does. Um, so it's nice to know. And like, if it makes like my back hurt or my SI joints hurt, I'll write that in too. So that the next month when I'm on my period, I can be like, why do I feel like my spine is injured? Like what's happening? And then I can look back and be like, oh yeah, this happened last time too. Like I'm not dying. (laughs) Um, if you've got a competition coming up and you realize that it will be like happening while you're on your period, do you shift your like training or approach for that competition at all? No, I mean, luckily that hasn't happened in a while. Um, I feel like sometimes the like adrenaline and nerves from a competition kind of negate everything that I would normally feel from my period. I know some people will try and like move their actual period so it doesn't happen. I don't want to fuck with that. So I just let it be. <laughs> But I mean, if I'm if I am training for a competition, say it's like the week before and my period starts and that's like our heaviest phase of training, like we just have to accept that it might not go as great as we would like it to um, and just get the most out of myself that I can that day. So you have dealt with some injuries and, and setbacks and like a year ago, right, you were seriously injured. So can you tell us what happened and and how you came back? I did have a spinal injury um, last, I think it was April, so almost exactly a year ago um, at, it was the Pan Am Championships. So I actually got, I got food poisoning in the middle of the competition. So like mentally, I was not 100% focused, which I think kind of led to that because like I was lifting, but I couldn't like feel what I was doing, if that makes sense, because I was like just do not shit your pants on the platform. Um, (laughs) So I went, I mean, I I did, I, all things considered, I didn't do that bad, but we put basically what I needed for the gold medal for my last attempt. And I was like, okay, like, let's just, let's swing it at this point. Who cares? And I made the clean, went to do the jerk and it kind of like drove me into the ground at a weird angle, which left me pretty injured. I mean, I didn't know what was wrong immediately. Um, But then once I got home, like I couldn't put my socks on by myself. I couldn't get dressed by myself. And it was like almost two and a half to three months before I could touch a bar again. Like just being able to bend over and do like regular household things took a solid month and a half. Um, So I really had to take a step back and spend a lot of time on rehab things um, I basically like coached myself through getting back to being able to lift for that whole three months. Was that scary to experience? And how did you, especially then, like, how did you take care of your mental health? So it was scary. Yeah, because I mean, it, it hurt a lot. Like I'd never felt pain that way. Like the, I'd been injured before, obviously, but it was never anything to where like I couldn't I couldn't like get out of bed, you know, I was more worried. Like I just blew it. Like I'm done for the Olympics. I have no shot. Um, I knew for a fact that I blew it in that weight class. So it was like, I don't want to know the extent of this injury because I know that if I do know, even if I feel totally fine, it'll be in the back of my head when I'm trying to come back. 
so I literally, I got my imaging done, I think February of this year. <laughs> like, I didn't even know what was oh, going wow. on until February. Um, but I mean, I, all things considered, like I'm doing fine now. Like I have no issues now. So that's fantastic news. I feel like. We're going to take a quick stretch break. When we come back, Maddie Rogers lets out her warrior call and addresses her haters. Don't go anywhere. So in in prepping for this interview, uh, we noticed that there are uh, quite a few headlines out there that call you sweetheart, and we're wondering if you've <laughs> noticed that and and how you feel about that descriptor. Um, I would love to know who started that. First of all, <laughs> um, but I don't think it really matches me very well. Do you think it's coming from a place of like weightlifting sweetheart, like America's sweetheart, like you're the Julia Roberts of weightlifting somehow? <laughs> I, I don't know what they're trying to get at, maybe. I don't really know. I would love to know. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch your rom com. What's a rom com? <laughs> <laughs> Romantic comedy. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> Kristen, if we have to make a comparison, maybe we should describe her as the Monica Sellis of weightlifting. Because like the 90s tennis icon, grunting is an essential part of Maddie's game, too. I really, really, really wanted to ask you about grunting and screaming and how and whether it it helps. Because it's one of my favorite things about watching you lift. So I remember, like, again, at that first meet that I went to where I first saw a Team USA singlet, that was the first time I ever heard anybody, like, make noise. And I always called it, like, their warrior call. And I was waiting for, for like, two years. It's like, oh, one day I'm going to do it and it's going to feel right and I'm going to find my warrior call. And, like, I think when I first started doing it, it was almost, like, kind of forced. Like, you just it, – it feels like you got to – <laughs> like you don't feel right unless you make a sound that's what it feels like kind of like when you have to burp and you're like I know it's coming I have to do it <laughs> so like I'm I'm getting set up like there's so much like emotional energy and you just have to like let it out and then it's like you feel like a little bit more like clear and like ready I don't I there's got to be some science behind it because it really does feel good <laughs> so you share a lot on social about your training, you know, posting videos of lifts and going on Instagram live. You recently started a YouTube channel and like clearly people love it. So like what what made you decide to be so open with your process and with just like people on the internet? And what have you learned from training in public? Well, I feel like I've always been pretty open like I don't know I don't want to I'm not like a super private person so it just kind of comes naturally I guess and I think as like my social media grew it kind of not it's not an obligation I don't want to say it like that but it's like people really get something out of it so it makes me want to share a little bit more because like before I was like just like anybody else like this is just my personal social media just gonna put some stuff on here and maybe people will like it 
But then when people did like it and were like finding use in it and using like my videos to better their own lifting or, or whatever they use them for, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it just makes it easier to want to be more open and share. Cause like, I'm definitely not like a influencer type of person. So like what they get is what they get. And that's, that's fine with me. Well, what kind of feedback do you get from fans? I mean, it must be satisfying to see folks getting something out of like watching you and your process. Yeah. I mean, I love when people are like, they'll tell me like some sort of like personal story, like this helped me to be able to do this and this better or this inspired me to start lifting in the first place and like that's really cool to see because I also deal with a ton of like shit <laughs> like I feel like I'm I'm the most hated and the most loved lifter at the same time wait but who who would hate you Maddie a website called <laughs> reddit oh. oh no oh no so what is what are the haters like really what do they really cling on to? I th I think that my like openness and honestness gets mistaken for complaining a lot. That's one that I've seen. Like they think oh. I'm just like the whiniest person. Like, no, I'm just telling you like what, what I feel today. Totally happy about it. I'm just letting you know. But I think because weightlifting is more competitive now and it never was before, like everybody likes a good like battle and drama so like people just pick sides and they ha could literally have no problem with you but because they like the other person you're on their shit list they're like everything you do is wrong i don't care what you do it's just wrong all of it oh god reddit um i mean <laughs> one last question about the the haters so does it seem like they are are they coming from within the weightlifting community or are they just trolls being trolls? I think they're definitely in the weightlifting community because like the trolls that are just trolls that are just like, haha, you're fat or something like that. Those ones are like, whatever. These people are like very calculated and detailed and like know what I ate for breakfast seven years ago, like those kind of people. <laughs> so your uh, your Instagram bio includes the quote, you must sacrifice yourself in order to achieve greatness. So we're curious how you have sacrificed yourself and what's made it worth it. I feel like as an, like a professional athlete, you kind of have to sacrifice everything that doesn't benefit you as an athlete. So like if I wanted to go out tonight and go like get fucked up and have fun with my friends, like I can't do that. I have a really important training session tomorrow. If I wanted to like move away to college and live like a regular college life that wouldn't benefit my training. So I can't do that. And I didn't do that. Um, I mean, sticking to my diet, I feel like is, is sacrificing something. Um, it's just like every little thing that I do kind of has to be reconsidered to make sure either a, is it benefiting me or if not, is it worth it? to do whatever the thing is or eat whatever the thing is um, that's not going to benefit me. Do you feel any um, any responsibility as sort of a, a public figure in this sport? Like, do you consider yourself a role model? Um, I, It's like a weird thing. And it sounds, I think, I always feel like I sound like kind of an asshole when I say it out loud. But like, there was nobody before me that had such a large social media presence in the sport of weightlifting like weightlifting has always been such a tiny little like niche sport and like you knew everybody in weightlifting and then outside of that nobody knew who you were 
So like to kind of be able to bring in different parts, like different sports, different just people in general into the sport of weightlifting has been really kind of cool to see because I feel like it hasn't really been done before and that I've gotten so much more exposure to this sport, not just to other weightlifters, but to other people who may have not even known it was a sport. Like I definitely didn't know it was a sport until I was involved in it. Well, do you have any advice for listeners who are maybe just curious about weightlifting or just starting out on their weightlifting journey? Um, Definitely see if you can track down someone who knows what they're talking about um, because it's a lot easier to learn things right the first time than it is to fix bad habits. So step one, try and find someone. If you can't, there's a ton of videos on the internet um, that break things down and just kind of go for it. Like, don't be nervous. Don't be shy. You're going to mess up and it's going to feel super crazy and weird. And like, you're going to kind of feel like a wiggly palm tree when you first start. But that's totally (laughs) normal. (laughs) So what has lifting taught you about yourself? Well, (laughs) it's taught me, I think like most important lesson is that I am very resilient. Like I may not always be the best or I may not have the best days like I think I've definitely had more bad days than good days but regardless like I'm still here I'm still training every day I'm still competing and like I've bounced back from pretty much everything bad that's happened um there's been a lot of of bad (laughs) things in my career so far um and I think weightlifting kind of showed me that like I don't really, this sounds so cheesy, but like I don't really give up. I don't know. I guess I'm just like a fighter and I'm like a little bit grittier than I thought I was. And you found your warrior call. Yeah. See, it all is all because of the warrior call. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and ladies, what's your warrior call sound like? Do you lift heavy shit? Have you tried weightlifting? Let us know. You can email us at hello at unladylike.co, find us on social at unladylike media, or join our private Facebook group and jump into the thread for this episode. Caroline, do you want to hear my warrior call? Yes, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't lift I didn't lift anything, but it felt good. Good. No, I, I think that there's something to that, for sure. In the meantime, you can visit unladylike.co to find this episode's sources, transcripts, and our weekly Unladylike newsletter. And you can also support us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash unladylikemedia. Nora Ritchie is the senior producer of Unladylike. Gianna Palmer is our story editor. Shruti Marate transcribes our tape. Our music is by Flamingo Shadow, Amit May Cohen, and Sarah Tudson. Mixing is by Andy Christens. Sound design and additional music is by Casey Holford. Executive producers are Chris Bannon, Daisy Rosario, and Unladylike Media. This podcast was created by your hosts, Kristen Conger and Caroline Irvin of Unladylike Media. Next week. When I first stopped wearing a bra, the first thing I noticed was how much people would notice your nipples. And it's funny because you can see the moment, you can just see it in their face when they notice. And it's like, you're going to have to get used to this because guys have nipples. And when guys' nipples are poking through their shirts, no one makes a fuss of it. Like, it's just like an everyday normal thing. So it started becoming funny to me. Like, I started just playing this little game with myself where it's like I could count how many people have I mortified today with the presence of my nipples under my shirt. (laughs) 
we're ditching our bras with Chidera Ageru. Chidera is the force behind the hashtag Saggy Boobs Matter movement. Plus, we'll be talking to bra researcher Jenny Burbage to break down the science of how our boobs actually move. You're not going to want to miss it. Make sure you're subscribed to Unladylike. Find us in Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, got a problem? Get Unladylike. Okay, Kristen, do you have a warrior call? <laughs> of course I do. You want to you hear it? Yes. You're on the mic? Yes. All right, here goes. Um <clears throat> <gasps> Brewster is sitting, honestly, intern Brewster is sitting in my lap and looks very concerned. <laughs> sure he does. I think my warrior call is more of like a, an aggrieved Tina Belcher, like, uh. <laughs> Stitcher.